Tere tulemast Lillasse ja Kendasse. See on podcast, mis räägib LGBT plus sõnasupist ja queer elust Eestis. Hi Mel. Hi Paul. Uh, welcome, welcome, welcome. Uh, we have arrived in March and already half of it is gone. Uh, and uh, I'm really happy that today is such a wonderful weather. Uh, yeah, it was like the second time I came to Deliskivi on a bike. Uh, and I don't know, it just gave me such an energy boost. Um, but yeah, uh, why am I speaking in English? Well, we have uh, today an international guest, uh, Dana from uh, Mexico. And um, yeah, that's why we wanted to be able to communicate with her <laughs> on this show. Appreciate yeah, I it. Think, I think that helps, doesn't it? I asked in Spanish, but he couldn't do it. <laughs> uh, our other guest is Emma, uh, straight from Tallinn. And um, yeah, but uh, before we uh, start with the topic for today's show, uh, which is Women's Day, and especially from trans women's perspective, um, we have some uh, announcements. Uh, the first one is that uh, Patreon has been uh, closed already since June, um, but uh, we still haven't deleted it, uh, so... <laughs> Uh, I know some of you have still become new patrons, uh, but uh, yeah, we, we're not actually taking money from you since June. Um, but it's our communication problem, so sorry for that. Uh, but if you want to donate uh, to us, uh, to um, then uh, it's best to do it through uh, our Facebook page. There is uh, a post uh, about with our bank credentials. Uh, and yeah, you can support us there. Uh, another way to support us is by buying our uh, Queer Flame t-shirts uh, from Caps Lock. Uh, maybe there are still some people who haven't got it, so check that out. And uh, thirdly, but not lastly, uh, there's a big party coming. Uh, I think it's the biggest celebration of the beginning of spring. Uh, it happens on the 31st of March when we have Trans Visibility Day. Um, and it's basically um, Androgear, uh, some of you probably know, is a family-run business um, that champions trans rights. Uh, they do gender-neutral boxers and uh, they are making a big party at the Sveta Bar on 31st of March uh, where they launch their new uh, boxer collection. Uh, but that's not all. They have drag and burlesque shows. Uh, there, there is also a band called Sumi performing and also Flumen. And uh, there's even uh, a fundraising auction for, for some of you who want to get some new cool uh, products. Queer <laughs> uh, merch. merch, yes. And uh, this fundraiser is basically for... Um, Androcare's um, founder, uh, Torm's uh, top surgery fund. So uh, make sure to turn up 
and invite your friends. And I think it's going to be a great party with like a lot of performances. And yeah, and you can find uh, more info on Androger's social media. If the reasons Paul said uh, weren't enough, uh, I'm also going to perform at the party as a major danger. So there's that. <laughs> Oops, I forgot you. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Um, so before we go on with the show and finally introduce our guests, uh, I'll quickly talk about the history of Women's Day because this uh, episode is... Uh, airing like a week after Women's Day uh, and we thought that we should uh, like celebrate women and talk about uh, trans women who are often like not talked about in this context. But uh, in order to understand it better, uh, we start from the history of Women's Day and um, basically yeah, it goes back like a, mm, a century um, when um, when there was a National Women's Day in USA, uh, and it was first proposed by uh, Teresa Malkiel, and it's basically based on an urban legend, which uh, which was comm- commemorating a protest uh, by women garment workers, um, and uh, it was inspired uh, by Malkiel and other American activists, and. Um, and then German socialist Louis uh, Zitz suggested that, that they should make it into like an annual Women's Day, not only like in USA, but everywhere around the world. And this was also seconded by Clara Zetkin and supported by Kate Dunker. And then uh, 100 women delegates from like 17 different countries all agreed with this suggestion. And uh, basically it was meant to promote the rights of women. Uh, and most importantly, the right to the vote, the suffrage. And um, yeah, so the first time ever International Women's Day happened on March 19th, 1911, and uh, more than one million people celebrated it. And besides uh, demanding the right to vote, um, it was meant to fight against sex discrimination in the workplace so that women would be allowed to workplace and uh, to hold also public office. Um, yeah, so after that, basically, um, the Women's Day was recognized also in Russia for the first time in uh, 1913. And uh, it is also thought that uh, this catapulted somewhat the Russian Revolution of 1917. Um, and yeah, basically, women went uh, on a strike for bread and peace, and they demanded to end the war. First World War, Tsarism, and the shortage of food. Uh, And so that was the first time that um, uh, it was celebrated on March the 8th. And yeah, basically, basically, that's it. Uh, So this is like the first wave of feminism. And if you want to hear more about it, you can uh, listen to our last year's episode with Aet. Yeah. And you can find out more. Uh, but now, let's uh, finally welcome our guests. Hi, Dana. Hi, Mel. Uh, Hi, Emma. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> yes, 
Uh, thank you for mansplaining International Women's Day, Paul. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm saying it with uh, in a friendly way. Um, uh, maybe I'll start with you, Dana. Can you tell us uh, who you are and how do you uh, identify and uh, what do you what do you do? Who am I? Uh, how I identify and what do I do? Who am I? It's a great question. I've been asking myself that for the past twenty uh, odd years. Um, I think I made a good introduction there that I'm saying I'm just your run-of-the-mill Yucatecan, neurodivergent, queer, multimedia designer, you know, one of those. And I would say that how I identify is uh, as a trans woman, and there's a lot that could happen in the middle. And I would say that what I do is I nerd out about stories, I nerd out about games, I nerd out about the queer stuff. And I, I nerd out about Mexican food, just not the Mexican food in Estonia. I have my reasons. <laughs> um, and what do I do right now is I'm a learning digital, uh, digital learning game student in Tallinn University and a copywriter and a Dungeons & Dragons writer for a hobby company in Mexico. Nice. I think I'll ask the same question for you, Emma. Uh, hello. Uh, I'm, a, I'm a software developer. For an Estonian company, uh, I guess you could say that I'm a computer addict, <laughs> and I identify uh, as a trans woman. Sometimes I struggle with uh, between uh, trans woman and trans femme, but I guess trans woman is just more easy. Uh, and uh, when I'm not working, then I'm uh, uh, inline skating roller skating and uh, uh, going to saunas. <laughs> yeah, I noticed that you, uh, besides your uh, roller skating hobby, you are also uh, interested in going to sauna. Huge fan. <laughs> so you're like, it's super, super Estonian. Um. Roller skating and sauna. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean the sauna part. <laughs> Maybe also the roller skating, I don't know. Um, well, thank you. <laughs> Are you proud of this fact? Uh, yeah, I think I'm proud. It's the sauna is something that comes from my childhood, and I still carry it with me. And couldn't go to saunas for a long time. Yeah, I get that. But now you have like uh, re-entered the sauna, <laughs> sauna culture. Um, So, I think firstly, I would like to ask you, like, do you celebrate Women's Day at all somehow? Who wants to start? You want to start? Um, okay, I guess I started talking first. So, um, <laughs> do I celebrate it? To be pretty honest, uh, before coming to Estonia, I didn't even think much about it. Sometimes in my family's WhatsApp group, we like to just point out, like, random festivities and just make jokes about it so for example when it's students day we're like my my siblings and i my siblings and i are like uh okay it's students day so are we gonna get something or it's uh father's day my my father would say we're gonna get something so women's day used to be one of those festivities oh it's the women's day are we gonna get something uh, my sisters and my mom would say but uh, i would never relate to it beyond that and then mom yeah, I'm not sure what you mean by celebrating it. Like, I don't do any festive activities on that day. I think I do. I think about uh, like 
um, women's rights, my own rights more on that day because uh, because of social media and uh, so news are maybe more focusing on those topics. But besides that, I don't think I do anything that do you special. Do you like to get flowers on that day? I was going to point that out. I find the whole pl flowers thing very cute. And I would just like to point out something interesting that happened. So, uh, for example, I had uh, this ex-girlfriend who we were close to Women's Day. And she was very concerned because she's like, I really, I'm, I haven't fully gotten out on uh, my, my workplace. But I am dressing very femme. And I'm hoping that they notice them femme. And I would really like to get a flower. And I was just, well, I really hope you get that flower, babe, in that case. And but when I thought about it to myself, I was like, eh, it would be nice if I got one, but it's not the end of the world. But it's just such a simple gesture that can really mean a lot, especially to people who, for the most part, we never got the chance to be called women in the first place until very recently. Yeah, like I don't really have anything against it, I guess, but it also doesn't mean uh, anything to me. I like the act itself has always been uh, really awkward for me. <laughs> When like this year, they actually I was uh, in a meeting, uh, like a, in a work meeting, and in the office, uh, like my colleague, my colleagues uh, like shared flowers. They interrupted my meeting, and I had to step out of the room oh, to wow. get the flowers. Seriously? Okay, wow. I think it's just awkward, but uh, yeah, it's I don't have anything against it. And, uh, I think. The first time I got flowers, it was uh, quite special. Then it was like, yeah, uh, it was also the time when I came out at, mm -hmm. at the workplace, and uh, I was quite uh, in the early stage of transitioning, and uh, it was very uh, cute. I think that they, the gesture was really cute. I guess I could say it's for me like snow. The first days when I, I, in my country snow is not very common. The first days it was magical. Oh my God, this beautiful white stuff and it makes little snow people and everything. By the third week, I was sick of it. <laughs> I don't know. I have a very different relationship with uh, Women's Day. Um, oh, really? Yes. Is it because you're not a woman? <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, especially uh, before, uh, when people would uh, say, like, you know, congratulate me on Women's Day, I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> like, do you have eyes? <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm not, I don't know, it just invalidates my whole identity. Um, but in general, Women's Day, like, to me, the first association, of course, is like the capitalistic sense of it, like, flowers and chocolate and like everything is so cute um with that necessarily i don't vibe so much like myself and don't forget the special women's sales oh yes yes um but uh so i i like maybe i'm showing how out of a partner I am, but like I didn't buy any flowers or like celebrate it in that sense. Ay, 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 Mel, ay, <laughs> ay, ay. <laughs> yeah, I was thinking uh, myself about the Women's Day and I was like, uh, this year somehow I hadn't noticed before. I knew it's happening, of course, it's always happening. And when I used to get flowers also, I saw it 
that it's in Estonia it used to be a lot o- about just giving flowers or like stuff to women on Women's Day from their from from their uh, men in their life and uh, somehow yeah this this year I, I I noticed like how much they were selling this uh, yellow tulips in the Prisma and stuff and I was like I saw these poor men like struggling uh, like from like teenagers to like uh, 60 plus years old years old struggling to find one uh, flower and you know rushing home to give it to their uh, the significant women in their life and I was like wow are we still doing this but uh, <laughs> but yeah I guess I guess I was I was thinking more of with this question like should it be like different uh, the way we celebrate it um, am I already mentioned uh, that you think about women's rights on that day what what kind of um, Women's Day would you like to celebrate, or like, how would it be different? Mm. But can I say one more comment? Yeah, of course. Your, it was really interesting uh, that you brought it out. But yeah, like there are these women who maybe, like like I was when I first got those flowers. Like, please notice me, please notice me. But at the same time, there could be like the opposite. Like there could be people who. I don't know. Don't want those flowers, but maybe the, maybe the colleagues automatically want to share. <laughs> but uh, what kind of a day would I like to? Uh, what kind of a women's day I would like to celebrate? Yeah. Oh, w- w- sorry. I also have a comment, and uh, w- yeah. we can get to the yeah. next question. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, I, now that you just said that uh, that sentence, I was like, yeah, I remember the last. Uh, Last time I was supposed to get like women's Women's Day cake in my uh, last workplace. Uh, there was supposed to be like cake in the cafeteria, and I remember like uh, I was just coming out as trans, not in the office yet, but like everywhere else. And I was like, I remember how I like specifically didn't go there to the cafeteria because I didn't want to be like celebrated as a woman <laughs> so so i just skipped the cake although i really like uh, sugary stuff so <laughs> but it was a good sacrifice <laughs> but but i also get like that the flowers can be really nice uh but that that's like like very surface level thing right mm-hmm. so it's like it needs to have this kind of discussions i think uh, around like women's issues and struggles Maybe like a do- donation with it <laughs> or something. I don't know. <laughs> but uh, f- um, to answer your question, like, do we need the day and what kind of a day I would like to celebrate? I think we need it. Uh, I think uh, the like last week, uh, Birat Korro was talking about it on uh, his morning program and said very... Uh, in a very good way that it uh, reminds uh, us where we used to be and um, to come to this point like it hasn't been easy and and there's uh, still like, ways to go and uh, yeah I think I like that this day uh, like the news and media channels are talking about it maybe uh, they, they should even do it more. I don't know. What do you think? <laughs> yeah, I, I I agree. Like I think it like 
putting a spotlight on women's achievements, I think, is absolutely fantastic because, like, women tend to be in the shadows. They tend to be the background figures and, like, showing the amazing things when um, women are capable of and what they have done is absolutely necessary, I think. Um, what I would like to see more is, um, yeah, showing, like, it isn't this, like, cutesy holiday where men mm. buy flowers, like, in itself, it like, I don't think it does much. Like, I think it can be quite heteronormative. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like, and, like, it just, to me, it just enforcer, enforces the gender binary. Uh, and it leaves out mm-hmm. a lot of people, um, in my opinion, like, the way we currently celebrate it. What do you think, Dana? Well, uh I would say that is a great point, just starting with, with what you said about like heteronormativity, enforcement of heteronormativity, because then you have to ask yourself the question, would men like to receive flowers during Men's Day? Why is it only women that should receive flowers? And I can also add, you, you had a lot of bangers, Mel, on that one. So uh, I, I would just like to add that there's also the fact that improving on it might require more uh, commodification or doing it more capitalistic in nature. As I said, special women's sales. I do not want more special women's sales. I do not want uh, to get things. I want things to get better, maybe. And personally, I you would even get into like even trippier, deep, deeper stuff about like what do, do festivities mean? How do festivities... Uh, festivities are like uh, celebrated in different ways you celebrate christmas differently differently than you celebrate uh, saint patrick's day than you celebrate martin luther king's day that's a great reference for estonian people uh but uh yeah uh, what i'm trying to say is that for me uh, i would be careful yes i would be careful uh, about women's day uh because women is just one of the many many ways you can see yourself It's like the question that Emma was having previously that I also have, that a lot of, I guess, trans women actually have. It's like, am I a woman? I am a femme? Am I a non-binary femme? Am I a binary femme? And Women's Day feels like an umbrella in which they're already putting us back in the box of like, you're a woman and you like pink and you like flowers and I'm being nice to you by giving you these things. Yeah, these are very interesting points. Yeah, like that, uh, can I say? (laughs) Like one thing that I also wanted to bring out uh, is that uh, maybe when we're talking about uh, women's uh, like rights, then also includes like trans women and trans femmes, and like make it more wider. Just so um, it would cover like a wide variety of uh, women or like. those flowers mean something different for a trans woman than for a cis woman mm-hmm. yeah um i think this is the good point where to play our first song uh, and this uh this one is uh from dana do you want to talk a little bit about uh, why you chose this song of course um i give it a lot of thought i had a lot of wonderful songs to choose um but i really wanted to use this one because It was in Spanish, which I felt was very connected to my origin. It's from a singer that I really love. And it's about uh, life and the experiences you go through. A recurring theme on the song is like uh, not believing what happens to you. But after going through it, all you can ask yourself is, why suffer through it? Just enjoy what you had. Uh, 
think and dream about the experiences you lived with the people you loved at the time and keep going. talking about Women's Day. Uh, so the next question I would 
uh, ask is how do you feel like your relationship to women's state changed uh, over the years uh, with your transitioning? Uh, how did transitioning like impacted it? Yeah, maybe start with Emma. Uh, when I think uh, back, then I feel like before transitioning, it sort of like wasn't a part of my life at all for some reason. Well, actually, I guess I know the reasons why the Women's Day became more important. Um, but yeah, at, after I transitioned, it I started maybe noticing it more, which kind of maybe also re- reflects the society a little bit. But uh, I've thought about it and maybe one of the reasons why it became visible to me was that uh, I found, I think I found feminism, like women's day and uh, feminism like go hand in hand for me personally. And I think I found feminism uh, after I found myself or like my identity, I found out that I'm trans. Then I, I started communicating with community and went to the LGBT center and different kind of events and also realized that I'm a feminist. I didn't really think about it before and uh, then uh, kind of acquired a different meaning. So it kind of through the uh, LGBT community or trans community, I found feminism and women's day. Dana, would you like to add? I would like to, though I'm sad to say that I don't have much to add uh, specifically to the question because I feel like Emma covered it pretty well. Uh, I also kind of spoiled it a little bit at the beginning by saying that for me originally festivity was just something that I would joke about with my family and not much else. But I would say that maybe I would add uh, more to the point about feminism because I find that very interesting because I was... Uh, I. It's It's a long story, but I would say that at a certain point in university, I started to care more about progressive politics. And it was around that time when uh, there was this uh, sa- uh, this type of community called RedTube. And one one of them became very popular, ContraPoints. And so when the conver- when their transition happened, it was a very big deal because, like, oh, my God, that's a trans person? And very funnily, I remember thinking, huh, their experiences doesn't seem like much like mine. I guess I'm not trans. <laughs> And um, I was interested in feminism, but I always saw it through a very different perspective to the one I have now. And I guess it goes in hand with the idea that, uh, for me, even now, it's like, uh, sometimes I'm just like, oh, yeah, I'm a woman. It's just a funny phrase to think about sometimes. It's just like, I'm just walking on the street. Oh, yeah, I'm supposed to be a woman. (laughs) And I just think, well, I mean, how many cis women are thinking I'm a woman all the time? I guess it's normal to just, at some point, just, just becomes part of your life and that's it. So yeah, Women's Day. I also, but I also find like, uh, especially when I was hearing uh, Paul's uh, uh, recap of the history of uh, Women's Day, such a fascinating holiday, really good, really interesting holiday to think about, and its radical leanings. It's just so sad that it got commercialized. Yeah, I think like I said before, um, my relationship to that holiday is very tricky. Um, before transitioning, I never felt comfortable with the holiday I didn't know why it just didn't feel like 
a sense of joy when somebody brought me flowers. I was like, okay, cool. <laughs> um, but now it's, I don't know, I dread sometimes Women's Day because, like, I know my experiences are going to get, like, like, I'm going to get misgendered the whole day. Um, and it's tricky also in that sense that I am not a woman, but I do experience women's issues. Like, I also menstruate. I, like, also need access to the services that cis women do. And, like, but, like, I'm never in that conversation. Like, like when, even in feminist circles sometimes, when we talk about, like, you know, gender equality and stuff. It's always, like, uh, men and women. But, like, I feel like uh, non-binary people and trans men often, like, get left out of that conversation. Like, though we also experience these things. What do you think, Paul? Um, I was thinking more about this... Um Besides my own experience, I don't relate with the with the day anymore so much. But like as Emma and Dana have said, I I I I think about more about like feminism on that day, and like what are still the struggles that we need to fight, what are the issues, um, and yeah, also like looking back. Uh, and finding out about, uh, even like for this episode, finding out a little bit more uh, about the origins of the day and uh, remembering like that nothing ever comes like without uh, action and without like uh, fighting. So just to be remindful of where we have come from. But I also... I wanted to ask more about um, feminism and what what issues do you feel um, we should talk about or what is relevant to your life? Mm, there's, I guess, a lot of uh, issues and topics, but healthcare, I think, is one of the big ones, <laughs> the elephant in the room. Um, do you, are you asking like personally what affects me? Like, whatever you want to but share. But I, I feel like uh, I also, uh, for me it's not that that uh, I'm being uh, left out or my need, like trans women, especially like post-op women's needs are being left out of the discussion, which they are, but there is actually like also no place to go for help. <laughs> it's like... I don't know, uh, you will find out that you have a problem when something is like falling off or something. <laughs> pretty much it's like that. And uh, maybe that's one of, like healthcare is definitely one of those um, things. And uh, no. I can say it, I can say it. <laughs> say it, say it. <laughs> no, but it's, it's okay. O obviously like trans healthcare is like, Healthcare, yeah, and trans uh, trans healthcare in particular, it's a nightmare for almost all of us. It is like something in th that is near worldwide in for all trans circles. I know so many people in uh, Mexico 
that are like, oh yeah, my boyfriend is studying like uh, endocrinology so they can help. Oh, I know this person who's studying this med- as a say, uh, field of medicine because they're probably the only people friendly in that part of Mexico who will be able to help. I don't know how much I want to go into this because obviously I, I believe that there might be more questions related to the international aspect of this. I would maybe like to add a very personal uh, part of my journey in this, in this, in this part. So uh, what happened is that uh, I kind of realized, I kind of broke the egg thanks to social media, by the way, it was very funny, uh, sometime in January. And I was not quite sure what I was, but by February, I was kind of coming to the realization that, oh, dear God, I am a woman. And where I think that experience should be something positive, should be something nice, should be something, hey, I finally understand what is this pain that has been following all of my life? What is this insecurity that I had? I finally can see myself. For me, it was a terror because for me, it was, dear God, my life is going to become so much harder. My job prospects are going to become super difficult. My, uh, especially, again, I, I don't know how much I can spoil. Please interrupt me if I'm spoiling too much. You are not spoiling anything. All right. <laughs> uh, but I might go into more detail later. Uh, in Mexico, the situation for women, not just trans women, women mm. is dire. Mexico is one of the places with the largest amounts of feminicides in the world and the second biggest place in the world of trans feminicides with information that we have. So it was a horrible realization to be like, oh, dear God, I realize what I am, and it means that I might not be able to go to the street on my own anymore. It is something that I really wish it could change. It really is. And not even going into the other social aspects of, hey, why the fuck am I treated like um, like a lesser person or people, or there's a chance people might not listen to me anymore the same way they used to because I'm a woman, and why would you listen to them? Or they wouldn't even be friends with me, that I cannot be friends with men anymore because, well, you know, Especially in my country, the, the, the expectation is that men and women cannot be friends. They would eventually just want to, you know, do something, you know? So that's where I would go with that. Yeah. Um, so I guess uh, we can uh, delve more deeply into this question of, like, um, how do you feel? Uh, can, you, can, can you talk about more about... Uh, your issues in uh, Mexico and like how is the situation different to Estonia? Like what have you noticed? Sure. And also you can share about like the women's situation. Okay. So I I want to give a few like um, I have I had the word but I forgot it right now. Um, trigger warning? Huh? Trigger warning? I mean yes, of course. There's trigger <laughs> warnings here. I also will try not to be full doom and gloom because. Well, I will say that my experience is very particular. Um, privilege is a word that like uh, resonated. I, I had this conversation with like uh, two very close people in my life who are also trans women uh, about like the differences because I kind of realized that I was trans uh, late, but however, by the time I realized that it, it was only a few months before I, before I got an HRT. And from then, I just kind of had like two to three, uh, three to four months in Mexico in the closet. I was not out. Then I went to Estonia, and then I continued my transition there. And then in Estonia, I was fully open myself, openly myself. So there's a lot that I don't truly know about the experience in Mexico. And the thing that all of my uh, friends, these these people, these very close people to me, I asked them about. They told me, 
Well, the thing is, we're also kind of privileged because like in privilege really mandates like the differences in experiences that you'll have. And especially in places like Mexico, it is the difference between like, well, you know, uh, it's hard sometimes. I, I, I can pass because I got HRT, good enough HRT, and I can pass and I have my software developer job and um, I don't have to do, I just have to deal with shitty healthcare versus I cannot go outside because I do not pass and people yell slurs at me or make it uncomfortable to I fear for my life. And I'm just every day going out and just trying to be hoping that I'm not murdered today or beaten or something, which is a reality in Mexico. I will say that I have commented before, I think, on the Uing, like uh, how interesting it is that even though Mexico does have that situation of violence, pervasive violence for all women, femmes, trans, it does not discriminate in that sense. Mexico does have some achievements. I would say that one of the things that surprised me is uh, thinking, actually, I think it would be better if I transition in Mexico because Estonia has a commission in which you have to wait like once a year, if I recall correctly. Uh, to go with a bunch of cis people and tell them how much of a girly girl you are or a boyish boy you are. Uh, and then hoping, praying that they will go give the gender documents to the gender department and maybe give you a gender. In Mexico, I literally, thanks to, again, privilege marks an important part. In Mexico, I managed to just go to an endocrinologist that I, with the community, they told me, oh, this person's friendly, this person's cool. Um, I would like to get some estrogen, please. Uh-huh, have you gone to a psychologist? Yes. Are you sure? Yes. Okay. Here's a blood test. Uh, we're gonna see you next week, and if everything's good, just we continue. And that's it. Also, uh, if I recall correctly, estrogen is not like uh, you don't need a medical a doctor's note for it. You can just buy it in Mexico. Just a regular. Yeah, like just over the counter. Just oh, I want some estrogen, please, and then just you get a bunch of estrogen. That's what I did actually, because I couldn't go to the doctor normally because my parents were checking on it. So I would say that yeah, that is interesting how in Mexico some things because of the way Mexico works are a little bit easier if you're a transitioning person. I would also say that um, in Mexico, some things have come to the front because in general, feminism and women's rights have had to come to the front because of the amount of feminicides and transfeminicides. And I will say that I am deeply like uh, proud and sometimes I really hope I have the courage of all the trans women in Mexico who go every day and go to every protest and go to every court and fight everything, fight for every right they have. Because in Mexico, all the rights that we have gotten, abortion rights, gay marriage, trans rights, have only been gotten through protest, through going through the courts and trying to change everything. And sometimes changing things that uh, they told them they couldn't. And it's how we got anything good at all. Um. I want to add something to your point that, like, if people are listening to this and thinking, surely not in Estonia, um, then uh, last uh, summer there was a black trans woman, Sabrina Houston, who was killed in Tallinn. And this is a very uh, real, <laughs> mm -hmm. like, looming threat. It is, it is not something hypothetical. Um, and I feel like we need to space make space for that and also acknowledge that in this podcast um yeah would you like to add something to that Emma? Mm. yeah like the what happened in the summer last year it was definitely a reality check 
that uh, trans violence is uh, real in Estonia as well. Definitely. And I would just maybe like to bring the mood a little bit back to, as I said, I don't want to be all full of doom and gloom. I am in another uh, in other circles with trans people in Mexico, and they're thriving. At the end of the day, even with all the terrible things that are on the news, every, with everything terrible, I know people who are like, yeah, I have my own house, I have my own partner, I'm just living my life, I have no problem. I have met people, I have made allies with the, the person who sells me the tortillas. It's like, we live, we do manage to live, even with everything. Thank you. It's, uh, yeah, we can always see, like, I uh, think very black and whitely about things that, like, uh, in Mexico it must be so, so much worse, but, like, some of the things are... Well, no idea. <laughs> some of the things, uh, uh, considering uh, the trans healthcare, might be even better, right? Uh, but I still feel like we have this privilege here to be usually, uh, usually more safe in a way. Definitely ad- agree on that. Like, um, as I said, no no shame in that. Like, I do feel I have enormous privilege to just being out in Estonia where the general culture is just like, they're just going to stare at me and they're going to make uh, fucking faces. And I'm like, okay, sure. Hi. And that's that. In Mexico, it can be more direct. I would say just, I know because maybe my, my friends in Mexico might hear the better healthcare and they might get pissed at me. Um, again, depends en- enormously on privilege. If you have mm-hmm. the money in Mexico, you can do a lot of things. But if you don't have the money, you can find yourself in an equal or way worse experience than in Estonia. Uh, one of the details that I actually just remember as I was saying this is a problem that we're having in Mexico is we have a lot of endocrinologists that are under... Uh, under dosing us like uh, mm. I had this very close friend this very close acquaintance uh, telling me oh yeah I, I've been on estrogen for six years but like it turns out most of them they were not giving me uh, like they were giving me way too little and it took my girlfriend to tell me hey you know this is a bad amount you have to go to Mexico City to fix this because literally there's no one else who will help me and the person who helps me is doing it wrong so it's um, I think we can go to the second song, and the second song is by Emma. Uh, do you want to talk to us a little bit of uh, why that song? Because it's Honey Dijon, <laughs> <laughs> and it's a good like dance song. I think I think Honey Dijon has a good uh, like nerve for uh, dance music, and I actually have seen her live one time. It's lucky.
I would like to ask for both of you is like we talked a lot about like the dangers and the negativity but I would like to ask also about like joys of womanhood like what do you feel like brings you gender euphoria like in your days and uh, maybe start with Emma mm-hmm. uh, difficult but uh, uh, feeling comfortable in my skin like feeling home in my skin and it was a long way to come here, I think. Uh, having uh, small boobs. <laughs> <laughs> and also, I think, constantly like uh, pushing <laughs> my personal limits and uh, uh, so, so societal limits and also like discovering different layers in myself. Um, I think one thing that... Uh, um, I feel more comfortable is uh, uh, dressing more masculine and like also discovering my more masculine side, which I was afraid before, and uh, now I find joy in it. And I still don't. Uh, I don't think it makes. I still feel like it's something that makes me a woman, but there are different layers in me. And there are definitely masculine sides as well, which. I I didn't really uh, discover. Uh, I I wanted to like, put them away before. Right. 
Um, so I would say once again, Emma, you put the nail on the head. I don't think I can add too much. Uh, I would just maybe rephrase. Like for me, I would. I'm just like paraphrasing. It's like uh, yeah, because again, it's, it's as I said, like the phrase. Oh, I'm a woman. It's like. Uh, you're not thinking about your gender role all the time. And you don't want to do the gender role. There's only very few people I can imagine that they just want to just be a traditional, uh, stereotypical cis woman the rest of their lives all the time. And even then, it's like, uh, what is even? What is a woman? Uh, as, that, as that very transphobic documentary was one's names, I think. Um, I would say that, yeah, so for me, it's like, uh -huh, the first is being myself. Um, I would say a funny comment to what Emma said about the boobs is like, I was just thinking about that. How does that work for us? Like as a, as a, as a trans femme, it's like, why do we like them? It's just, it just works. It just works. A part of us is like, I have, I have experienced it myself. It's like, I, I'm looking at them and it's like, yeah, nice. And, 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 and the best part is I have enough trans mask friends that have told me, no, it's a fucking nightmare. It gets all, it gets in the way. They're annoying. You cannot exercise with them. And I have to say, yeah, you're right. Honestly, all of those things are completely correct. I still like them, though. I, I don't know why. Something in my head just works. And I absolutely love the fact that you said, like, you know, I can also explore uh, whatever masculine aspects I have, quotation marks, masculine aspects I have now, because now I feel comfortable in my own skin. Now I know that I'm a woman and I feel like I'm a woman. Mm -hmm. Because that is something that I'm struggling with as, as of now, because I'm still relatively early transition-ish, more or less. And... For me, I was always kind of like someone who likes to be gender non-conforming to an extent. I do like my pants. I do like my shirts. I do like going to the men's section occasionally to see something cute for me. But it is a struggle because I still feel like, oh God, if I go too far, they'll start he calling me he, him. And I hate that. And I just one day hope one day to look as feminine and sound as girly as possible just so I can start wearing again the clothes I like. Thank you for these um, very lovely thoughts. Um, as a last question, um, Dana, I would ask you, um, you are, um, you, your work is, uh, uh, your work is uh, related to media mm -hmm. and um, how should trans women or trans feminine people be talked about in the media? You chose the right person for this one, yes. Uh, so, Okay, so I would like to start this with a little anecdote. So, because I was very, very lucky, a good friend of mine sent me um, a link of a person in the United States, a non-binary person looking for a trans POC uh, who could explain, like, uh, who could do some sensitivity reading on a character. And I was like, oh shit, I am a trans, I'm femme, I'm POC, I'm done for this. And the interesting thing is this person uh, said, like, oh yeah, because I'm not trans. And I'm like, well, binary that technically is trans but what i found interesting is that for her is like uh, for them it's like uh well it's just that uh i want to do good representation and i have this idea and i just want you to be sure that i'm not making something that uh for trans femmes might come off as insensitive and it is an interesting question for me because i never done a sensitivity reading before and it's like well Thing is, you will always ruffle someone's feathers, no matter who. There will be someone out there who will be like, how dare you put something negative, or how dare you put something positive, or how dare you to put something neutral. You will. You cannot escape it. It's just, how do you uh, justify your choices, your artistic choices? And uh, what uh, are you looking at the current environment around you? 
So what I was very happy with is like, for starters, it's amazing that you're trying to make the, this uh, IP, this intellectual property, uh, and include queer people, especially trans people, because that is something that is deeply lacking. And if you think about media nowadays, uh, we're still going through that phase in which like trans people are still like kind of a novelty of an other. <gasps> Look, there's a trans person here. We're even doing you the favor of getting a trans voice actress for the trans character in the tr in the animated film. Just don't expect too much from them because like uh, don't expect to get it too complicated. And what I like doing this project is thinking about like uh, for example, uh they wanted to make a fantasy story in which like trans people are treated as if they were in a as if they were living in a liberal city in the United States and it's like okay, well that is a tricky one. Because it's like, uh, how do you divorce the context of trans femme people from our current reality? Because everything that we do and we experience as trans people is completely connected to our history, to our society, to our economics. Like, you really can, uh, you really have to think of a place where trans people exist. If you think about uh, trans people throughout history, like the like the oracles in the in Greek history, or the, I mean, for example, in Mexico we have the mushes in Oaxaca, the third gender the many intergender peoples, they all occupy a certain narrative within their societies. They fulfill certain roles, they fulfill certain things. And for me, that's something that media, I think, should tackle. Instead of just saying, oh yeah, everything is very fantastical and crazy. And by the way, there's this person from very this specific context from real life, just tacked on there. There you go. And I also felt that it was very important to get messy or complicated. Uh, so there was this, uh, I don't know how much I can talk about this, but there is this... Uh, there was this mention of a character having a child that was trans. And there was discussion about that. And I said, no, they absolutely should put a character who has a child that is trans because that is a reality for a lot of people. And trying to make the, narr neat, make the narrative neat, make the narrative clean is not doing us any favors. It's not helping people understand us any better. It's just making, once again, putting us into a new box in which we're like the trans woman or the trans man in which like a trans woman is this and a trans is that. So that is what I think is important for representation. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I also want to see messy queers <laughs> and messy trans people on, uh, in, in media. I think it's way more interesting than just, uh, than just you know, cut and dry, like, I don't know, one-dimensional All uh, happy, portrayal. all passing, all good. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you, both of you. Emma and Dana for coming to the show. Uh, I kind of feel like we should do sometime another episode with you two because it's, we have so much uh, more to talk about and you are such lovely guests. Uh, yes, uh, thank you everyone for listening and uh, we'll see you next month. Thank you. See you next month.